the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest was Tom Cole from University College Riddle, just round the corner here in Chelmsford. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Well, before we get to your gardening questions, myself and Tom can bring you some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden during the next seven days. Tom, you're up first. What's your first tip? It's always going to be pruning, Ken. (laughs) And those leaves all dropped, so I'm going to be pruning my pip-fruited trees, my apples and pears. I like that. It's, I've never, you don't think of them as pip-fruiting, do you? No. You think of them as just as anything that isn't a stone fruit, don't you? Exactly, yes. Well, it's a great time to prune them. If you've got, if you've got a, a sort of freestanding tree, uh, it's about taking out all the dead, diseased and damaged growth, any suckers or unwanted growth from the base. And these days, it's just about shaping shaping the plant, not cutting too hard. We're not ruthless anymore, No, are we? you don't need to do that anymore. What you do need to think about, though, is creating a sort of open centre so any crossing branches you can reduce and reduce to a bud that's going to face outwards so the growth goes away. Great airflow, less disease for next year. And you do more pruning now in the summer, don't we, than we do possibly in the winter, yeah, in, in a and, way. In a way, and that's really more about quality of fruit. So it's about letting the light into the fruit that's forming. Uh, and just curbing that growth temporarily. Why do you think we've changed? Because if you go back 20 years, we were always doing most of the pruning in the winter, weren't we? We were hard pruning in the winter, we produced lots of growth, then we'd shorten it the next year to get side buds. Why do you think we have changed? Well, I don't know if we have absolutely changed. I think, I mean, winter is all about structure. Yep. Summer is always about quality of fruit. So if if you want to sort of reduce the growth on your tree, then... Now is the time to do it for those pip-fruited ones. Not your stone fruits. Stone no, fruits are in the growing season only. Mustn't do those. So you don't think we have changed? No, I don't think we've changed hugely. I think, well, I look I think at my old dad's books. They were all, you know... I think the way the... we prune, yep. um, but we are still pruning mainly in the winter for those freestanding apples and pears. If it's a restricted, such as a fan or an espalier, then the only time we do that in the winter is to do any structural. And we do most of, of that pruning in the summer. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to stay outside. Um, we're going to feed the birds. Yes. Now that means you can make you can feed them yourself. I mean, my old dad used to cut the. Don't have bacon we rind on that much. You have to really find it in, in these <laughs> shops nowadays. But we always had bacon with rind on. Cut the rind off and give it to the blue tits. Hang it on, tied up with bits of string and hang it outside. My dad always used to put fat from the pork out for the birds. And then of course water very important. Today we're encouraged much more to buy more processed type food for birds aren't we don't you think so fat balls fat n- balls that's fat right balls. yes i think there'd be no fat we would be putting our fat out because we eat it all we'd well <laughs> you might eat it all. <laughs> but seriously you it has changed hasn't it feeding birds is much more of an art we look at all the different grains and seeds that we can feed birds today because it widens the scope of the birds that you'll get into your own garden as well doesn't it yeah it does and also water they must so have important. access to water so important even though we used to hang coconuts upside down mm. with the blue tits say like that so get out there start to feed them i know there's plenty of berries this year and yes there are plenty of berries this year but they'll soon knock those on the head won't they tom they'll be off 
gone before you know it. So they are. Get out there and feed the birds. What's your next one? Uh, planting. Planting. Well, planting any time of the year, really, but this is a great time. You're it coming is, into it? that dormant season. There's less check to plants grow. If you haven't got to worry about watering so much, if anything at all. Also, you've got certain plant groups which are more available to you, which is cheaper. All the hedging in lo- all bare the root. hedging, all bare rooted plants. So plants lifted from the nursery field and uh, sold to you with a very clear root structure that you can see. Um, so all your freestanding uh, trees, ornamental trees, hedging, all of that's available to you. And, um, you know, don't forget when you are planting trees, you do not feed. No, no feed. And also you don't need to put any organic matter into the ground as well. Putting feed in creates lazy roots. Feed in the spring with a general purpose fertiliser. And organic matter, if you put too much of that in, it shrinks back and the plant drops. And it drops lower than it should be and you get things like collar rot. So they are. There's a few tips on there. House plants. I'm going indoors, and we look after our house plants at this time of the year, and we are inclined to forget them, and they will dry out because generally the house is drier in atmosphere at this time of year. Get a mister. Give them a bit of mist, or stand them in a gravelly saucer of water, not letting the water completely go up to the plant because they need less water at this time of year. And don't feed because there isn't enough light that will make them grow. So really, just keep an eye on the houseplants. Give them good light. And I'm not even going to mention poinsettias because I'm sure we'll have a question on it. <laughs> and for those who want plants for free uh, and, have, and have actually pruned one or two things, uh, certainly things like dogwoods and willows and even some of the evergreens like holly and garrier, the tassel bush. Oh, lovely one, isn't You it? can take some lovely long stems at this time of the year, pencil thickness, about the length of your, of your pair of secateurs, so it's about, I don't know, 25 centimetres, 30 centimetres if they're a foot long, and uh, basically work from the, the most sort of less pliable part of that growth, cut slightly above a bud, measure down your secateurs, cut below a junction, and literally push them into the ground by about two-thirds and just check them throughout the year. They will probably root by around about May, June, but don't lift them to the autumn. Some top tips there to keep you busy in the garden this week. Uh, And in just a moment, we'll be answering your uh, gardening questions. But first, we started by chatting about leaf blowers. Battery leaf blowers at that. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Tom Cole, my guest here in the studio. I was boasting that you were out there with a blower blowing the leaves, but it's it's a battery one, isn't it? it it's is. nice to think that you're going green. I, I, I'd love to. <clears throat> it was great. I was always a bit sceptical of those things. I thought, no, I'll sweep it up. <laughs> well, my goodness me, it saved me so much time. It's so much easier. <laughs> it is a skill, though, isn't it, in its own right? Well, yeah, it's very right. easy. Ray to... thinks it's a joke. <laughs> no, Ray, it's... Ray was joking, but it's very easy. You get, you almost get into the corner, and then you, you, your concentration lapses. We had a, a, a note from Christina. <laughs> I was listening to your program on BBC yesterday, and you were giving advice to a lady regarding fuchsia mite, which has damaged her fuchsia plants. I have exactly the same experience. I have many fuchsias in my garden, and they're all suffering from the same plight. On the program, you mentioned uh, an insecticide and plants to replace the fuchsia. If I have to get rid of them completely, I would be grateful if you could repeat that information. What we discussed on the programme was that, in theory, if it's a mite, it would be better to leave it a year, wouldn't it? Because the mite could be still around in the ground in fallen foliage or buds. You wouldn't plant straight away, would you, anywhere that's had it? No, I mean, I definitely, I mean, no, I wouldn't actually. Um, I mean, there is some really good advice out there. There's a great website. 
Uh, but basically, or, the main advice is refu- get away and burn them and get rid of them, isn't it, it from that's, the site? Ultimately, that's that's the advice that's given at the moment. Um, if, you, if you type in into any search engine future uh, Gaulmite and then follow it with the letters RHS, it'll go to a profile page. Mm. And they say to get rid of and to burn to or give it to your local yeah. authority. However, Jeff was saying that you can actually use BugClear Ultra, which is the only systemic. Yeah. And what the other thing that I think is worth trying, which hopefully, Christine, you're listening and writing it down now, is that you cut them back to get rid of all that damaged foliage, which will get, in theory, most of the mite away, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, and then clear away the base of the ground, so yeah. you take all the debris, yeah. and then the next year... Feed it in the spring with a general purpose feed and then be vigilant. You sort of get this very sort of uh, contorted, twisted, almost compressed growth on the tips. Uh, so it's very obvious when you see it and it tended to emerge this year sort of around about sort of May time, uh, May, early June. Um, so it'd be worth doing that plus using the systemic uh, spray as a as a, as a guy. But I think ultimately what will end up happening is you'll actually take out the plant and reinvigorate the soil, maybe put something else there and put a new fuchsia somewhere else. Now, we had people arguing and discussing Christmas cactus last week. You can see that one. Isn't that a glorious one? Now, I think this is the man who does very little to his Christmas cactus, ignores it pretty well, uh, and the only thing he does is he waters it with rainwater. So they are. That's what he does. So, uh, great programme. Should be longer like other radio stations he's saying should i'll read it out great program should be longer like other radio stations i.e bbc kent and others (laughs) thank you for your comments ray and your beautiful picture because that is a a stunning it's a stunning cactus let's get on with some questions though pauline alcock sent us a letter she's from clacton on sea and she says i'm asking if you can help me i have a yucca plant it's in a 12 inch high 15 inch wide uh, pot it is 20 inches tall four years old healthy two shoots coming from the base is it possible to repot it that's the yucca plant it's in the porch the temperature fluctuates with seasons why do you think she wants to repot it I don't know, actually. Because it's it, not it, necessary, it, Not it? really. I mean, they can stay usually in, in quite a lot. That's quite a large pot, actually, for it's that plant. It's not a bad size, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't do much potting at uh, this time of the year. I'd probably wait till the spring, especially if you've got an area where it's the temperature's fluctuating. Um, I mean, check. I would take the plants out of the pot. If you can visibly see lots of roots running around, then, yes, i go to the next pot size up and use something like a multi-purpose uh, compost uh, to replant. Uh, if they're not doing anything and you can hardly see any roots, then I'd leave it, leave it well alone and just keep uh, moisture levels ticking over. Uh, certainly don't overwater it, though, before you do that um, over the Christmas period. It's less watering now, especially if you've got an area where you've got hot sessions and sort of very sort of um, cold nights. Best leave well alone, I would say. This is a picture of a Christmas cactus I've had since 89. Spectacular, isn't it? Loads of flowers. Now, that's on a pedestal. That's a very old... Actually, they were were trendy in Victorian times, weren't they? Do you remember? I've I've been up to the Barbican Conservatory in town, and they grow them in hanging baskets in one of their temperate houses. They're stunning. And all they do, they, they treat them quite mean. So you had an earlier... Uh, email there where the chap's not really yes. doing a great deal. You don't have to do a great deal. Water it sparingly 
and use something like tomato feed. And that, when do you give them tomato feed then? Uh, leading up to flowering. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually just during flowering as well. And that's all, that's all I tend to do. Margaret in Shenfield, she says, no, I thought this one's good for you. <laughs> Should she prune her roses now? Because I know you and I have different opinions, haven't we on that? Well, we've pruned bush roses by about a third just to um, sort of reduce wind rock and then come back in the spring and do your pruning properly. Uh, so all your bush roses down to shin or knee height. Uh, some people go shorter than that. That's they fine. They do. Um, finished climbers, done the climbing roses. Tied them in. Tied them all in, uh, taken out uh, some of the old whippier growth, kept it by cutting back quite close to the old frame, and I've also done the ramblers. So that's taking out the old flower. But don't wood. you do ramblers at a different time from climbers normally? No, I can do them at the same time. I thought you used to do them in the spring. No, you can do. You can actually, you can actually do ramblers when they finish flowering. Ah, so if right. you've got an Albertine, okay, I'll let you off. If you've got an Albertine, you can do it in September. Yeah. So a lot of people though prune their roses really hard at this time of the year and take a chance. You don't like to do that. Yeah, that's what I have done. That's what we've done at the college as I well. I know, but is it right? No, it's absolutely right. No, it isn't. Yes, it no, is. No, it isn't. <coughs> My old. You've got dad a window of opportunity say... as long as you do it in the dormant season. You're fine. <laughs> What happens if we have a really, say we have a mild spell through Christmas and all the little buds start growing and then come January and February, it's frosty cold, minus six. Have never had a problem with that. You haven't? No. And we had okay. that cold winter four or five years ago. No problems at all. See, difference of opinion. I'll go back to my old dad's And we're method. in a frost Prune pocket in Rizzle. Prone them in March. Anyway, uh, just re reduce at this time of the year. Go to Mary from Horndon, who's given us a call on 0300 200 4041. Uh, Mary, what, what do you got for us today? Well, we've got a Lexton Superb Apple in a oh, pot. Aren't you lucky? What a tree that is. Yes. It's, it's one of my favourite apples. Yeah, you can still buy them. Mm. <laughs> um, what it is, we've got about... An eight-foot gap between the bungalow and the, and the path. Would it do all right there? Right. What did you... My question will be, when, when did you... Who? Where did you... No, not where or when. When you bought it, did they tell you what stock it was on? No. Right. Oh, and, you haven't, and you haven't got a label with it with any information on either? My husband's just gone to have a look. Oh, very good. Oh, that's Because it should say on the label what the root stock is. Because what Ken's getting at there is, depending size. on the root stock, that'll, that'll actually infer a particular size and spread. Oh, I see. He's gone to, he's gone to check it. That's but good. Wonder what, when's the best time and how to, pot it, uh, uh, how to put it in. What we need around the root, if anything. Any tips that you can give us? And you, you're definitely we... wanting, to, you, you're wanting to pot it. Not plant no, it. Plant now. We want to plant it out. Plant okay. it in this eight-foot strip between the bunk, between the house and the path. Yes. So if it's on a um, a, a dwarfing or a or a semi semi vigorous rootstock, you you would be okay actually. So basically, excavate the hole where it's going to go. He's just having a look at the label. Right, that's that's okay. We'll tell you how to plant it while he's looking, okay? But, but for planting, excavate the hole, and um, you want to really dig it no real, no deeper than the... Well, just a little bit deeper than the pot it's in at the moment. Right. Um, you definitely don't want to put any stakes through the root ball because you can't see uh, the root ball, but it will need staking. Uh, so you'll need to put the stake in at a slight angle. 
right. so it misses the root ball but is enough to support uh, the plant and the the rules these days there's lots of little rules out there but one of the rules is you use a shorter stake rather than having a stake that goes all the way up to where the crown is um, right. so the stake as long as it's in the ground and it's nice and sturdy you can position the plant up to it use a I don't, I don't you, think it really tells us anything Ken what it doesn't really tell us anything on that. Oh, okay. so we don't know. Well, I would. No. I'm going to. I'm going to sort of put, go out on a limb and say that most most of your good oh. garden centres will be selling dwarfing rootstock plants, semi vigorous. They won't be. You vigorous. might get vigorous. You might Unusual. do. But I think you'd be okay in the space you want to put it in. Is that all right, Mary? But just to go back to the planting. So, just, John's just reading something off the label. It's got a barcode on it, and um, it just says it says app. Laxton superb. No, doesn't help. It doesn't help. No, we reckon it's a number. No, it won't help. No, okay. I'll confirm the nursery up and find out. That's the best thing to yeah. do. Yeah, okay. But for planting, don't add any feed to the planting hole. Don't put any compost into it. Plant firmly, firm it in all the way around. Make sure that stakes up there and it's tied in uh, fairly taut. And then in the spring, give it a general purpose feed. And Mary, if you find out in the meantime, during the next uh, 45 minutes, which stock it's on, we can confirm for you, Mary. So that's no problem at all. Alex in Hadley. Hello, Alex. Oh, good morning, Ken. Um, I've got two well-established clematis. Mm -hmm. and I mean well-established. I've had them quite a few years. Um, my friend, they are still in bloom. They look beautiful, mm. but... This time of the year, I should have cut them back. And I'm, I'm wondering, worried uh, if I cut them back now, whether I should lose them. Right, well, what, what, um, I know what Tom's going to ask, so I'll ask it for you, is what, when was the... I'd imagine this is a second flush of flower. So when do they normally flower? Do you know that? Well, do they flower early or no, summer? No, summertime. Do, yeah, they, they, flower, do they flower late the, summer? Um, uh, sorry, Ken, they're the, uh, the very big uh, uh, flower on them. Um, but be uh, quite honest, this is the third one. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, they do so bloom it, a couple of so times, is it, but this is, this is the third time. So is it beyond July? Um, oh, yes. With the first flowering? Uh, July time? No, no, it's round about July, I would think. Oh, okay. So, so, hi, Alex. It's um, they're they're what we call the group three clematis. Yep. So they fl all flower on new growth. What I would do is just enjoy them for what they are. So would I. Uh, because you don't actually need to cut them down until the spring anyway, um, and you would be cutting them down to about one to two buds above the ground. Uh huh. That's right. So you keep on enjoying them. It's just been we've had it, it's been quite mild really, and we've oh, got. I Seen quite a few in mm. flowers. I've travelled around. I'm sure Tom has the but same. But to get three good flushes, that's great. I mean, there's some really good ones out there. There's also some other ones worth trying as well. Things like um, Clematis viticella. They flower on and off all the way through the summer. They're, you know, really good value for money. So try wow. some others as well, Alex, yeah? Right. Well, thanks very much, Ken. That's I'll all right. Hang on. I'll hang on to them until spring. Brilliant. Yeah, that's it. Now, God Tom... While we're talking tomatoes, just uh, what do you feed them within the spring? Do you give them a good feed straight away in the spring? Liquid or do you use a granule? <laughs> Whatever comes to hand, really. Well, I, see, I mean, but... I basically use a general purpose feed, something like fish, bun and bone or uh, Vitex Q4, something That's like that. That's very good, About isn't it? 35 to 50 grams a square metre. Just lightly work it in. 
before you add your thick layers of mulch. And mulch does help them because it keeps those roots cool and Get the moist. moisture as well. Yeah. yeah. Now, don't forget that number to call is 0300 200 4041. You can message us straight into the studio on 81333. Have you been using a blower, those noisy things? Well, of course, Tom's got a blower that isn't noisy because he's got a battery one. So come on, have you? Do you hate them? Let's talk now to Phil from Greys. Hello, Phil. Hello, Ken. Now did, you... Uh, did you receive an email from me, uh, two pictures of a plant growing on a balcony? Not that I can find you. No. Describe it. Come on, let's let's hear what it's like, and uh, I'll 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 fix through. I'll flick through anyway. Okay, James. It's a climb. It's yeah. It's a climbing plant. Um, I've looked it up on the internet. Uh, it could be a campsis or a hibiscus. It's a very very good grower and produces trump red trumpet like flowers. Right. It, right. It's, it's definitely sounds, a campsis. Campsis. It's a campsite. Camp. We, yeah, we've got one of the. Um, it's on one of the sides of Rittle University College. It's uh, it can grow quite large actually. Can grow very vigorously. Um, I think we have it around about fifteen to twenty foot, um, but yeah. you can cut it and shape it to most areas. But you still need a, you know you still need a little bit of space. It, is it on a sunny aspect? Are you on a sunny aspect, Phil? Yes, it is. It faces south uh, southwest. That's what it likes. From dawn till about two, two. And is this the first uh, time you've had that plant? Well, it's in Germany on a balcony, and uh, obviously they, they are expecting a cold winter, and I wondered whether it was hardy, so my son had phoned me up, uh, etc., and I had two photographs, etc. So it is a very, very good grower. It is very spindly with beautiful flowers, and uh, reading up on it, it doesn't need feeding, and Watch it because it grows like heaven. And uh, twenty-eight foot was talked about. <laughs> about twenty foot, but it can grow. Yeah, it can grow. Yes. It could grow twenty-eight foot or more. Um, yeah. Is it? Is it in a large pot on a balcony? No, it's, it's not yet. No, it's it's on a small one. That was right. another question. You know, what sort of size? Should You're going to need a big one. Put it you? in the biggest pot you can get, um, yeah. and go for m- more of a soil-based compost. Although on a balcony, you might want to blend that with maybe a multi-purpose and a a soil base, so it makes it a little bit lighter. Um, And I I would feed it every year because it's only got that pocket of of soil. And the great thing about this plant is it flowers on new growth. So actually, and it's also very hardy. And what we've done at this year, and sometimes we do it early in the year, is we cut back all the whippy growth just in front of the old stem. And then what will happen in the spring is it reshoots out from that point, and then you get these lovely... First, we get these lovely leaves. They've got a sort of pinate leaf, opposite little leaflets. And then you get these wonderful clusters of, as you were saying, actually quite brightly coloured trumpet-like oh, flowers. Beautiful. Yeah. Spectacular plants. All right. Yeah, I think... Yeah, you've answered all my questions. Thanks, gentlemen. Hello, Jennifer. And how are you? Yeah, I wonder if you could help me. I've grown three camellias from seed... And I'm wondering if, and they're about four inches tall at the moment, I'm wondering if it's safe to leave them outside over the winter or bring them into a cold conservatory. Is this the first time you've had them sort of outside? So you've, they've developed, the, the seedling developed this year? Uh, yes. 
Okay. Oh, I probably would bring mm. them. Um, in, in fact, yes, I would put them put into them a cold, in cold conservatory. Yes. I think so. Just just so they can get over that winter period. They okay. are a hardy plant, but they're a young plant at the moment. Mm-hmm. And mm. I think it'd be best to protect them. You don't want to be disappointed and they suddenly Lovely. die off. Yeah, That'd be the best thing. The key, the key thing also is don't overwater them. It's You don't Run want them dry to... dry right through the winter. I would okay. let them dry out a little bit, actually, yes. Yeah, if you dry, what the be, one of the better ways to water plants in winter is let them dry, then give them a water, let that drain right through them, and then don't water them again till they're dry again. Oh, okay, that, lovely. What you're actually doing, and I don't think people seem to get watering, because watering is actually, what you're doing is mimicking what could happen if they were growing in the wild. And mm-hmm. if you think about it, that's what happens. It rains one day, it doesn't rain yeah. the next, yeah. doesn't rain for a week. So mimic that, and particularly in the winter when it's cooler, you need to keep them on the dry side. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. I mean, I'd, I'd hate it if they died. <laughs> no, what would be interesting is when they flower and what, yeah. what's the flower like? Because mm. they won't be like their mother plant. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, well, that You might be get something new. Well. You might yeah. get something new. Can, keep oh, in touch. Lovely. Keep in touch, Jennifer, and let us know how they get on. I will do. Thank you very much. Anne from West Clapton. Hello, Anne. Hello. Morning, Ken. Good morning. Um... I've just heard this conversation about um, campsites. Um, I spoke to you about my one. I had it on a, a fence, stunning yep. fence. I dug it out three years ago. It was going mad, but also it was going mad in the lawn. All the roots. My husband started digging up the roots because, you know, it was still coming out. Um, and uh, I think they're still. I think they're still growing now. And my neighbour calls out to me from time to time. What's this growing, Anne? In her lawn as well. So I'm glad I dug it out. Yes, it's a plant that keeps on giving. It does. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, a cousin of mine came and saw what what was happening to mine. He had one by the front door. He left here and went over to Morden and dug it out. It is a nice plant. It's a, it's a plant. I mean, to me, it's such a lovely plant. I would, mm. I would not. I don't think I'd dig it out. Would you? No. No, I would. I just no. Out no. In the lawn, but yeah, I can, I can understand where yes. you're coming from. Yes. We know, we know what they're like, but they are lovely to grow. I wonder what it'll be interesting to see how much it grows on this balcony in Germany, won't you, Dan? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I wish you know. I mean, it's still coming out now, Ken. Three and a half years after, yeah. it's still I, coming in the lawn. I tell you how we grow it at the college. I mean, at Ritzel University College, we grow it actually in a bed which is flanked by stone. So actually, it's it's, all, restricted. it's all restricted in one place. So I can imagine it'll go rife if it was next to a lawn. But you well, could actually put vertical now, barriers into the ground mm. to try and stop it. But then we appreciate your call because that's <clears> what this program is about: good news, Thank bad news. Much. And telling, warning people of their uh, problems that they've had in the past. Is that right, Anne? That's, oh, yeah, big problem. <laughs> big problem. Thank you, Anne, from West Clacton. Good to hear from you. And we now pop along to Great Maplestead. Hello, Fernando. Well, hello, Ken. Um, yes, I wonder if you could help me, please. Uh, I've got a rhododendron, which has... Uh, I've just let it go on and on for a number of years, and it's now coming out quite a lot onto the lawn. Mm-hmm. And I would like to thin quite a bit, both in, in width, um, and it's quite shady where it is normally because it's got trees, an apple tree and a uh, crab apple tree and another tree. So it's quite shady there. But they like shade, I understand. So, But what I would like is to actually prune it now and prune quite a bit. Is that the right time? 
Or can I do it? I do it after flowering. I don't like to be pruned very much. Yeah. No, uh, you can prune it as hard as you like. Yeah. You won't hurt the plant. You really won't. They'll grow from a stump. But... it's a shame to lose the flower. Isn't yeah, it's. It? I mean, you could. You tend to prune them after flowering. However, hearing what you just said, if it's what you could do coming. is reduce. I mean, reduce back what you don't need. Yeah. Um, so be be quite ruthless on some of those stems. <clears throat> Rather than just cutting them back by half, take them all the way back to the ground, or to where there's at least um, visible leaves. So yeah. always always cut to where there's leaves, or if there aren't leaves and you still need to take that limb off, take it right the way back. Uh, so you could do that, but as, I mean that will reduce your flowering. But you're It'll doing you're, the, the reason for pruning it is so you can enjoy the rest of the garden. So that's that's what you need to well, do really. Uh, not quite, but it, it really is coming out a lot more than I want. I've been trying. I've been thinking of doing it for years, but it hasn't happened. Yeah. So anyway, go, I can go, do it. So yes. I'll, now I'll just. Take. Fernando, when you prune it, think, you know, if the edge, say I'm going to take an example, it might not be against a path, but say it was against a path, always cut back beyond the edge of the path, because remember, where you cut it, it's going to grow again, again, and it will most likely branch and therefore produce more growth and thicker growth. So Mm -hmm. cut back within about nine inches to a foot of the path if it's a big plant. But always cut back to a leaf. But go back to a, go back to a leaf or a, or a, Bud. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, could I throw in another very quick question? I heard all about the roses and all that, and very, very useful information. I've got to decide between you two which one am I going for. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, but meantime, there's a couple of uh, little rose beds where I've roses that have been there for a long, long time, and they are really getting old. And I, uh, again, year after year, I've been thinking of replacing them all. I've always been told that where you grow rose, it's very difficult to grow again unless you take all the soil out and leave it for But friends of mine have said, no, we've done it that. And I really would like, would it be something like six roses at least, uh, small roses that I would like to put? Is there any advice you could right. give me on that? Yes, Is it and really- I... I'm going to jump in straight away. We have just, in a, in a garden that we look after, we have just done some replant of some David Austin where they're formal beds, very large oh, formal I know beds. Very well. And some I do have. All the time. That's right. Some have died out. So yeah. what we have done is we have uh, we've used micro rhizome. Uh, ba- it's a bacteria, basically, isn't it? It's a soil bacteria, isn't it? Mycorrhizae is a fungi. A fungi. And what you do is this is to help the roots to reinstate because if you plant a rose where a rose has been, it will not grow properly unless you help and support it. Am I not right, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I... I'm always worried about uh, that replant disease. I mean, I tend not to plant them in the same position. I do tend. But if you've to... got a formal bed, or you want to, you've got to. Well, yeah, or you or you go to the other expense of and actually renewing the soil. But I've done it, that in the it's, past. It's, it's um, the there's been quite I think quite mixed reports on mycorrhizae, uh, but there have been more positive ones yes. that I've heard. So it's worth trying it. Um, and actually, you put that into the plant hole, mix it in, and it will really help boost the. Pl- it will help. I I believe it will help boost the plant but I would tend to probably offset it I wouldn't put it in exactly the same no. plant goal I just offset it in the bed yes yeah that's okay I can do that all right uh, thank you ever so much that's extremely kind of you that's a and pleasure. wonderful crime program as usual thank okay you very much let's go to Bill in Birchington hello Bill oh yeah good morning boys um yeah, I've got my, my pansies I've got quite a few pansies in pots and they're getting a bit leggy now 
And I don't know when it's a good time to cut them back down or shall I cut them back down or start a new... I'd just like a little bit of advice on them, please. When you say leggy, are they just sort of flopping around? Yeah, that's it, exactly, yeah. Have you got them in... They're not in too dark an area, are they? They've got some... I don't want them to be... Patio, no, 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 I'm right on the seafront here where I live, so, yeah, they, they, they're doing okay, they're, they're quite nice, but as I say, they are getting a bit, bit big now. Um, well, I... The, the, the old plant, you know, they're getting, and I've got about 100 of them. Is that this year? Oh, this, the, this are these, year? Are these summer ones, not winter ones? Yeah, these are winter ones, yeah. Okay, well, I, all I would do there is deadhead, sometimes I've taken the tops out if they're quite Nip long, the tips out, yeah. and that makes them bush out more. So yeah, you could, so you I've could do. That, yeah. I would just keep on doing that then, okay? Because so you I want don't have to cut them back down. No, so. no, no, no. Because you do want them to keep on producing flowers all the way through. Yeah, I do. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. continue doing what you're doing. Okay. Oh, okay. That's great. That's, that's short and sweet. That's it. Short and sweet and done. That's what it's about, Bill. Uh, enjoy those winter pansies. Sounds like they're doing very well, doesn't it? Lovely this year. On the seafront there. I would like to go to some of the texts. One from Roger said, should, an- I imagine it's anemones, be growing and flowering, will they grow again in spring? I wonder which anemone, because it's, you see, you've got herbaceous anemone, you've got um, Dukan, you've some- got... Yeah, some of the anemone blander are the ones that early. tend to flower. They do tend to flower Late in spring. Late winter, don't they? Late winter, early spring. Early spring. Uh, and then there's a Japanese anemone, which would have finished flowering now. However, we've got, no, some, we've got one flower. or two that's still flowering. So maybe it could be that, maybe. Broad leaf, quite tall plants. Roger, you'll have to tell us more. Go on that tick, 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 and text it in and let us have a look at what you're actually talking about. Decan, which is the one that you buy as a cut flower, isn't it? That You wouldn't be flowering yet at all. No. That is spring to early summer, isn't it? Yeah. Could be the small ones, couldn't it? Could do. You're saying spring. spring. I think that's a bit too early. Seems wrong, doesn't it, that one? So come on, Roger. Clarify for us and we'll see if we can answer that one. Hello, Jen. Jen, I have just got a rooted Christmas tree. I left it outside. I'm worried when should I bring it in as it's going from cold to warm. I would love to keep it plant for use. So I don't want to kill it. I wonder what she means. You see, has it just got bare roots? Because bare roots are going to struggle, aren't they? Does she mean bare roots? Does she mean growing in a pot? Or does she mean a root ball? Because you can buy all those, can't you? Can, you? you can buy all of those and above, yes. So, yes. should we give a little bit of advice on all? Yeah. If you're planting them generally, what would you do first? Bare root. It's got its work cut out, hasn't it? It has, actually. I mean, that's the one that's least going to survive. Because it's been so left out. You might, Yeah, so you pot it up into a nice large pot, use a soil that's a little bit more moisture-retentive, so maybe... Drip uh, tray, don't forget, in case abs- of the flooring. Absolutely, a tray with a pot on it, your plant inside, gradually feed in the, your compost. Use something, I would use something like a John Innes compost. Yep. It's a bit more moist. It's also more bulky, it's heavier, might help in supporting the tree as well. And then to water and then to look at your watering really, really carefully. When would you bring it inside? Well, I would, um, well, next week or so. Yeah. But it's going to be tricky. You're bringing it in from the cold into the warmth and it's going to start losing lots of water. And it might actually defoliate a little Mm. as well. It's like us not wearing enough clothes outside, isn't it? It's the same in the opposite direction, isn't it, really? 
But with your root balled ones, or even your chance. container grown ones, you're, you're absolutely fine there. The root ball one, you can just pl- you can plunge it into into a large pot. I, I'd actually undo the top of the root ball. Uh, sometimes these days, I mean, these days they're usually biodegradable. Those types of nettings, but undo it from the from the actual uh, trunk itself. Plant it up as we've just planted the other one. Look at your watering. Just be very careful in your watering. Water into the tray. Keep it sort of topped up. Um, and if it's a containerized one. You've got to do a similar sort of thing, really. It's got to Just go into a drip take tray it again. In too early. Yeah, the key is not overwatering, not bring it in too early. And then after Christmas... Get it out as fast as you can. <laughs> chuck it outside. As soon as you close can. Close to the house and then just hope it survives, really. And it is a gamble, isn't it? Yeah, you're fine. But by around about May time, April, May time, you'll start to see new growth if it's absolutely great. And I think most most times they're okay, but I'd be a bit worried about the one that's a bit stumpy with just a few roots. That's the one that's going to struggle. Jen has just come back to us while we've been chatting. Pot grown. So pot grown. Perfect. Perfect. Put them in. Enjoy it. But put it out quickly uh, in the new year. Yeah. In other words, you're trying to keep it indoors for the shortest period of time, which, depending on the size of the family, the age of the family, becomes more difficult when they're younger because they want it to stay in the house (laughs) as long as possible. But if you're a little bit older and uh, a little more mature, you can take it in. Absolutely. A couple of days before Christmas. Grow it on on in the pot and have it again for the following year. Yeah. This is SJ. I have two fuchsias in tubs. This will be a third year. Do I need to cut them back? And when? Two fuchsias in tubs. This will be their third year. I wonder what they did before with them. Mm. I, we tend not to cut them back you until spring. You don't cut spring. them down until April, really. Yeah. I mean, Late if, spring, really, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, I mean, are we talking hardy ones? Are we Doesn't talking say, hard? I mean, if they're it. not hardy, I mean, you're lucky if they've just come in. <clears throat> That's okay. I don't really sort of... Cu- I cut those hard in the spring to generate new growth for the ones you're bringing into for protection. Your hardy ones you're leaving outside, don't cut those until about April, May time. And you've got a choice. You cut them down to the ground if you wanted to. You could do, couldn't you? Because they all flower new growth. Or you could choose to reduce them by half or lightly trim. Whatever new growth emerges will give you flowers. Yep, it's as simple as that. Now, uh, John in Bradwell heard us talking about pruning rhododendrons, and he says he's read in, he thinks it was the Royal Horticultural Society magazine, that the common rhododendron, which is rhododendron ponticum, Ponticum. um, should be classed as a weed. It's been put in the class of shrubs and um, plants that take over the countryside, and therefore it's classed as a weed. Does that mean he shouldn't keep it in his garden down at Bradwell if it's a weed? Well, I, I get a bit worked up about all this weed business, you know. I think, <laughs> What's a weed, well, Ken? What is a weed? A plant in the wrong place. Exactly. So is a rhododendron that just happens to be ponticum a weed? I mean, Dorset wouldn't be Dorset without ponticum, would it? Seriously? And You know, you drive through Dorset and there's... Uh, and if you go through parts of Hertfordshire, Hertfordshire you get it as well, you chew in all around there. Oh, it's gorgeous, I mean, it's, isn't it's it? It's a non-native invasive Somebody plant brought it in. In a condition where it's got pockets yep. of good acid soil. Yeah. And invasive in that, it really layers itself. It lowers its limbs into the ground and spreads quite quickly. But, you know, it's about how you manage it, really. And what that list also tells you <laughs> is... This is how you need to manage this particular yeah. plant because it's got a list that's also got Japanese right. knotweed on. It as has, well, which 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 is, is something ma- completely different. However, <clears throat> if you go to what's the part? What's the gardens just near Capel Manor College, around the corner? Uh, Middleton House. Middleton House. There is a controlled section yeah. of Japanese knotweed. Yeah, yeah. it's so go this, back, go, and that's been this. It's Victorian times. Exactly. Well, 
<laughs> going back to the rhododendron, it's about it's about it's about curbing its spread. So if you enjoy it, it has got lovely flowers. It's gorgeous. You, you can't deny it. it's got great no, flowers. Gorgeous. Absolutely. Um, so it's about just curbing that growth as much as you can, really. But not everyone's going to be able to grow those anyway. No, that's a thought for you. Frida in Basel. Hello, Frida. How are you today? Oh, hello. I'm fine, thank you. I didn't Good. necessarily want to go on here, but I, I, I braved it. Frida, um, we love we we like talking to people. It's easier to explain things as well sometimes, right, isn't it? I bought. Some, I've never grown wallflowers before. Mm-hmm. I bought some dwarf ones. Uh, I think it was around about March or Feb earlier in this year. Um, but they keep budding and blooming. Is this right for them, or do they need to be cut back at all? Well. This has happened to me, actually, and they they do. <laughs> Sometimes plants do this. Because they're actually yeah. perennial, they, aren't they? Well, well yeah. half-hardy perennial, aren't they, really? Or some of them are perennial, perennial, some of them biennials, and what it sounds like Frida's got is more of a perennial type. Mm. They will. They'll keep on budding and budding and flowering and flowering. Yeah. I would just enjoy them for when they're flowering. And, oh, then when you get, and when you get to a point maybe in the spring, yeah. what you could do is just lightly reduce... I just yeah. take out the old dead material towards the base and then just take the plant down by about a third and they actually yeah. start shooting up from the base again. What sort well, of cut? What I have found is where I have nipped pieces off and I've just stuck it in the ground and even they have bloomed. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, You're, you've got lovely. off. And they're, all, and they're in tubs. Oh, even, even better. better. Frida, you've got green fingers. What sort of colours right. are they? Uh, there's a... a, a, a the yellow ones, lovely pale yellow, hmm. and there's a pale uh, lilac-y colour. And lovely. A deep, and a deeper lilac. I think I think wallflowers, you know, are very underrated. The, the sometimes people plant them in the autumn, ready for spring, and then they don't. They, the thing is, a, a, a wallflower, if you use it as a winter stroke spring bedding, it will fl- will flower on into the sp- into the summer. And of course, yeah. people want to get this summer bedding in. But I think what you're doing is just super enjoying them, enjoying, enjoying them. them, and oh, I don't. That's fine. So I have. I'll have them for next year as well. Yeah, and I, and I thought you'd like to know that when I was watching an interview outside, you can imagine they've been interviewing people outside Buckingham Palace that just happened to be this week, and I noticed that they are, they, the royals round Buckingham Palace have got wallflowers in their beds. See, Frida, oh, you're, up, you're up with oh, the royals, you see. I am. I you're, bought them for the first time at the right time, didn't you I? You did indeed. OK, oh. Frida. Good Thank to talk to you. And we go to Carol from Bobbingworth. Hello, Kane. Um, I'm reading about a calla lily or an arum lily. I'm not quite sure which one it is. Is there a difference? Which of you like? <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's got spotty leaves. Yes. Um, I bought them as corms and yep. planted them. Um, the first summer, they flowered, but last summer, this last year, this summer... They produce leaves, but no flowers. Should okay. I fed them at a certain time? They could do that, couldn't pots. they? They're in pots. Yeah. And I just left them outside. Should I have brought them in the warm or something to... Not necessarily. Not, Not necessary, last... actually, but they're in a pot. Um, they weren't allowed to dry out too much at all. No, no. You, you kept them quite moist all the way through. So I've got to make, that's something I've got to make sure this winter, although they should have been, but I didn't check, to be honest, so make sure they're moist. And uh, if I feed them at a certain time, will they produce flowers or Yeah, not? if you, if you, well, the thing is, with, with lots of those plants, actually, if you start feeding around spring, so March onwards, yeah, 
Uh, you could use, I think, because it's in a pot, it might be easier to use some of those liquid type feeds. In like fact, maxi you, crop. Or yeah, like I mean, that. if you wait till maybe towards the end of March and use something like a maxi crop feed or a tomato feed, yeah, even, that would work. Well. Uh, that would work. Right. It would. It would help. It would help give it uh, potential for it to flower. But the fact it's producing lots of leaves yeah. is a is a good sign. Yeah, uh, so it's but still no w- flower spikes at all. Okay. I think that's what I do, and they should flower for you, Carol. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Do, I tell you, what, follow Tom's instructions. If it doesn't work, oh, you can blame. Come me. back to him in the in the early summer and tell him he's wrong. How about that? <laughs> yeah. No, okay. joke, joking apart, Carol. Keep in touch and let us know right, how you get thank on. Thank you. Thank good, you. Good to hear from Carol in Bobbingworth, and Roger has come back to us about his anemone. He said uh, he didn't know the name, but the anemone flowered in April grew about 12 inches high and obviously it's still in flower now so it must do you think 12 inches high would be well yes there are different types of anemones actually so it's flowering quite a it's it's flowering at the right time but usually that type of anemone would then tend to Fly off. off and flail off for the rest of the year, but it then, could keep flowering, it couldn't could it? Do. Yeah, I, I so haven't, I haven't enemy, seen it. That's an enemy. Which one do we? Well, go it might for? be an enemy blander, which is a much, but it's a much shorter no, one. That no, is. he's saying twelve inch. So it's it's the tall one, isn't it? It's the one we call, you know, the pink and whites and. Well, they only tend to flower in the spring. Uh, no, I've seen them in flower now. Well, we can, there you go. You see, and that's the thing. That's an enemy. <clears throat> Well, there's a nem- there's a, a nemorosa, which is much taller. It's a, it is about twelve inches tall, about mm-hmm. a foot tall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have expected that to have finished flowering. But I think it could be flowering still. Poss- everything's possible these days. It is, isn't it? They yeah. flowers all over the place, so they are. Uh, so don't, yes, it that stuff is flowering at peculiar times. You know, you've passed things and you think, what the Dickens is that flowering for now? Because it's the wrong time, don't you? But uh, Well, you when know. you think about it, we've had also things like uh, Mahonias have been out a month oh. earlier than they would have done. If Forsythias the... are in bloom in some <laughs> gardens. And you don't, you don't expect They're supposed to be in March, the... February, March? Yeah. And really, if you look in a book, and I'll look when Mahonia Charity is supposed to be flowering, it actually says February, doesn't mm. it? So we're all over the place, aren't we? And that's really, you know, changes in temperature as much as anything else, or fluctuating temperatures often do that. Fluctuating temperatures. Now, come on, while we're on temperatures, what do you reckon we're going to get this winter? Come on, what's your prediction? Do you think we get snow? Do you think it's going to be cold and snowy? I hope so. (laughs) That's not a very good answer, Tom. Well, we want to kill off all those bugs. That's one thing. We do. And I want to go sledging. (laughs) He's a big kid at heart, you know. Talking about Christmas trees earlier and potting different Christmas trees. And this one's from Liz in Colchestone. She says, as kids, we had a Christmas tree in the garden. It came in each year into a bucket, three foot high. And that's going on from where parents moved mid-80s and it was taller than their house. It was up three foot high then. And then it was it's taller than the house when they moved in the 80s. So that's gone from the 40s to the 80s. Uh, and it was taller than the house. So did we... Did we well each Christmas? So they are. You can get them to grow, and in fact, if you prune a Christmas tree nicely, it actually really does look something, doesn't it? It puts I mean, some it, lovely new growth on. But people don't prune them, do they? Right. Just let them grow, and then they're straggly and they're a bit thin, aren't they? And they don't look anything at all. You can squeeze a call in on 0300 200 40 41. Dare I say that we haven't had a point? Send you a question, but. 
we haven't. We, we live in the dream, one last we live in the dream. <laughs> we are indeed. Now, we've got another question here that's come in. It says, is there anything I can put on dead tree stumps to accelerate decay? And that's Helen in Southend. Now, there are a couple of brushwood uh, cutter products out there, and I'm not sure if SBK is still... SBK kills. I don't know whether it accelerates. Hmm. All of those... There used, to be, there used to be accelerators, didn't there? But I think some of those have come off the market. I remember I remember saying, do you remember there was one called Root Out? Do you remember that? Mm. Well, I, don't go and look for Root Out because no. I think it's disappeared. But um, I always remember saying on a programme, like, oh, Root Out, that's what you want. And in fact, getting into trouble with um, uh, Lord Orton at Orton Garden Centre because uh, he said, you sent all these people in trying to get a product that came off the shelves six, eight months ago. So, uh, sorry. Sorry to Walton Garden Centre if you'll get people back asking for something that doesn't yeah, I, exist. I, the only accelerated ingredient you can use to speed up growth is anyone I, I, I've seen. Well, that's being used more in sort of hormonal weed killers, so mm. the selective weed killers, and that's just to basically kill off that weed whilst the rest of the I grass do? are growing. I get someone in with a stump grinder and get the blooming yeah. thing out the ground. For a hundred-odd quid, you can get it done, can't you? I know I'm being a bit glib because you might not have a hundred-odd quid, but that is one of the ways to clear. Stumps are better out than in. Uh, we got a question from Lee in Onga, and how can he keep a Phalaenopsis in flower through the winter? Do you have a Phalaenopsis in I your have, house? I have, yes. How many you got? Come on. How I've many only got you got a couple. Yeah. They're just coming into bud for blooming. Yeah. Um, but they, they were actually flowering for quite... These are lovely sort of pansy-like flowers sort of hang from an arching uh, flower spike. And, and are they on their second season or third season? Third what are season. They third season now. So, really, once the flowers have finished... You allow those to die off, and then the flower stalk gradually starts to die off. But then you get these little nodules that appear lower down on the flower spike, and you cut to just in front of those because that nodule is going to shoot out and give you a new flower spike. And if you don't get any forming on that stem, what you can do is cut the flower spike down if there's nothing emerging on it. And what will happen is new flower spikes come from the base. The trick is watering sparingly with lukewarm water or better still rainwater that's been left to acclimatize immerse the pot let it take up the water then take the pot put it on the draining board let it drain and then put it back into the ceramic container or the saucer it was sitting on and always use an orchid feed there's some really good drip feeders out there cut the end invert the container stick it in the top of the pot edward in ingerston what's your question for us i've got a europe's plant yeah which was in the boulder, yeah, I got took it out and put it in a container in the greenhouse. Now, it's pretty big, and I've cut it back a bit. But I wonder, can I actually split it, or do I have to take cuttings? What I would do is... and Now, this this is this, is, this doesn't have large, lovely yellow daisy-like flowers. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've lifted ours at the college. We've had them all on the front of the main college at Rittle. And uh, we put them into... We just put them into uh, pots, a little bit of compost just to keep them ticking over in a frost-free uh, environment. And then what we'll do oh. in the spring is cut them hard to generate new growth. Oh, I see. Rather than is do cuttings now. And it's, is it semi-light cuttings? Well, you could do softwood cuttings. It's always going to give oh, you, you softwood. Can. Yeah, softwood cutting. I mean, what you could do is try some now, but it's a difficult time of the year to get those going. Yeah, she's done one in a small pot, and it's drooping a bit. So I don't know whether it's taken or what. I'm not sure. Well, keep it growing and then cut down hard in the spring and then take your cuttings.
The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0300 40 and be part of the programme. Yes, join us next Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11 o'clock. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.